So, a uh, review of the 1972 album All the Young Dudes uh, by Mott the Hoople. Uh, now, following Brain Capers in 71, uh, Mott changed producers. They got rid of Guy Stevens and they brought in the infamous David Bowie and it certainly made an impact. The studio saw the band work much harder, there was a tighter sound, they had to do more than just spew out gig-like music, and uh, there was a collection of songs that certainly uh, were pretty impressive. Uh, in terms of personnel, um, the organ player, Verdon Allen, was less used on this uh, set of, of songs, it has to be said. Um, and there was also uh, a number of covers, um, including uh, the Lou Reed written Sweet Jane, um, of course the title track, which was a donation by uh, David Bowie, which became a mega single. And then uh, towards the end, uh, Ready for Love, which um, was later made into a big hit by Bad Company. And of course the common denominator there was Mick Rouse on guitar. So I'm going to go through the tracks now with some sort of observations uh, to um, gather up this review. So the fifth album and it kicks off with Sweet Drain, as I said, uh, written by Lou Reed. It's a pretty solid uh, version of the song. Uh, Hunter does a, a, a pretty good job on vocals. He hasn't quite got the uh, stunning impact that Lou Reed had, but uh, his uh, vocals are still pretty uh, throaty and impactful. And uh, there's some nice guitar from Rolfs on it as well and it uh, clocks in at just over four minutes. Excellent start. Mama's Little Jewel uh, is track two and it sort of uh, starts off and reminded me of some of the intros on uh, Hunky Dory and after a brief intro it stops and Hunter sort of uh, talking to Bowie suggests that they restart it again but uh, I don't know whether this is just for effect but it then continues and the rhythm is well, very Bowie-esque has to be said so this track for, uh, track 2 on the album it's got a sort of uh, a nice sort of rhythmic rock beat uh, you sense there's a little bit of glam uh, on the periphery of it and uh, there's a, a little bit of slide guitar that filters in uh, and some neat piano runs by uh, Hunter which hints at sort of a barroom atmosphere um, overall uh, a pretty nice gentle sort of track too uh, to go with the excellent opener. There's some really throaty horns on the outro and then it sort of seems to segue in immediately to the 
opening guitar run for all the young dudes. Well, uh, this track, of course, written by David Bowie, um, was a huge hit and lifted Mott the Hoople from the sort of uh, gig scene to a band to be noticed. Um, it was their major breakthrough and it's a fantastic uh, piece of music. Uh, and uh, I'm going to have a little look at the lyric. So, all the young dudes, um, very much a signature for the glam rock revolution and an absolutely uh, essential uh, listen, really, when it comes to anything connected with uh, Mott the Hoople, Ian Hunter, uh, David Bowie, and Roxy Music, all those sort of glam rock stars of the 70s. And uh, I'm going to go through now uh, an excerpt from the lyric, and uh, let's get started. Well, Billy rapped all night about his suicide, how he'd kick it in the head when he was 25. Speed drive, don't want to stay alive when you're 25. And Wendy's stealing clothes from Marks and Sparks. And Freddie's got spots from ripping off the stars from his face. Funky little boat race. Television man is crazy. Same with juvenile delinquent Rex. Oh man, I need TV when I've got T-Rex. Oh brother, you guessed. I'm a dude dad. The chorus. All the young dudes. Hey dudes, carry the news. Where are you? Boogaloo dude, stand up, come on. Carry the news. All the young dudes, I want to hear you. Carry the news, I want to see you. Boogaloo dudes, I want to talk to you. All of you, carry the news. Now, verse two. Now Lucy looks sweet because she he dresses like a queen. But he can kick like a mule, it's a real mean team. But we can love, oh yes we can love, and my brother's back at home with his beetles and his stones. We never got it off on that revolution stuff. What a drag, too many snags. Now I've drunk a lot of wine and I'm feeling fine. Got to race some eat to bed. Sorry, I've got to race some cat to bed. Oh, is that concrete all round? Or is it in my head? Yeah. I'm a dude, Dad. Well, uh, you can gather from the lyric, it's uh, fingerprints of Badawi all over it, but it's really the issues of uh, being too old at 25 to live on, uh, the cross-dressing, uh, the uh, sort of bisexual uh, image that was very much... Uh, David Bowie in the mid-70s, early 70s, and then uh, uh, a sort of a trick of the uh, of the era, the uh, role of the delinquents, and uh, the introduction of escapism via dressing up, glam rock, T-Rex, and Mark Bolan. Um, and it's all in there really um, and it's absolutely brilliant Sucko is up next it's got a sort of lazy 
sleazy, sort of slow, almost bluesy feel to it. And you catch some of the horns. And there is a credit for Bowie playing sax on the album. So this possibly is him. Um, Hunter's in good form, slopping around on vocals. And uh, it's got a sort of... Uh, sort of eerie phase as well uh, to it. Um, probably a, a touch too long, but it was uh, recorded live at the Hammersmith Odeon. Uh, so maybe there ain't no Bowie. But there's definitely a touch of horn. I think it may have been added on. It's not produced by Bowie, that's for certain. Sorry, correction, on the bonus album, there's a live version of this. But this uh, version that I've, uh, I've, I'm reviewing is the uh, studio version, uh, credited to Ralphs and Watts alongside Hunter. There's uh, once again back in the mix some sort of smoky sax work. Uh, and uh, reading, reading the lyric, I may be wrong on this, but it, it seemed to uh, be a sort of a lyric that's very much about um, sex and how the male sort of uh, not abuses his partner, his girlfriend, but certainly uses her, and uh, that would encapsulate why it's called Sucker. There is some uh, metaphors littered around. So, uh, Jerkins Crocus. Um, the lyric isn't up to much. And it sounds, well, it, it starts off and you think it's brown sugar. Um, and it follows a similar pattern. There's uh, some uh, decent enough guitar, it's a standard rock song, uh, Hunter's in his element, um, but um, you know it's ten a penny really, um, to be perfectly frank, and that seals out uh, side one. One of the boys picks it up, uh, up <laughs> starts up side two, and it's a rocker. It's got a fair amount of energy, I must admit. Um, very typical of Mott the Hoople. So uh, starts off quietly and then once they uh, turn on the drums and bass, we're into some slightly heavy rock guitar and raucous hunter vocals. It's all pretty middle of the road but I like it it's uh, it's a worth a listen put it that and the song uh, has some Bowie side effect uh, uh, sound effects at the beginning at the end of the track there's a dialing tone um, one at the end is more modern than the one at the beginning mm. Soft grounds next. Hunter rests his uh, vocal cords for this one with Verdant Allen, the keyboard player, 
taking lead vocals. It doesn't really do a lot, to be honest. It's standard uh, rock uh, sound, which uh, is brief, which is probably uh, to your benefit, really. Just uh, clocking in at 3 minutes 17. And uh, that's about sums it up. Soda ready for love after lights. Well, uh, Mick Rolfs on lead vocals, and as I say, uh, when he left, he took this with him, and uh, Bad Company made a more rockier version of it. Um, this one's tidy enough, but the w vocals are very weak, and uh, it's a, a, a standard rock tune, really. Nothing to sort of... Uh, Nothing in comparison really to the title tracks, uh, the title track stands out on this, um, but it's a, a tidy enough uh, effort, uh, but Bad Company's version of course was a big hit and I think uh, the uh, the Paul Rogers vocal was so, so superior to the Mick Rolfs vocal, um, we didn't really hear any Rolfs singing with Bad Company and in many ways uh, although he wrote this song he would have been better advised to give the vocal duties to Hunter Towards the back end uh, Ralph opens his shoulders a bit but I did find the mix a bit strange really the, 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 the rhythm guitar melody seems to be higher in the mix than the lead guitar so to an extent the lead is lost a little bit uh, but uh, that's my observation anyway but it's a tidy enough uh, rock song Sea Diver closes, it's a sort of ballad with uh, Hunter commanding on piano and lead vocals and there's some uh, brass arrangements with strings courtesy of Mick Ronson yeah uh, that guy uh, I wonder why he was brought in well we know why because his mate was in the production room um, but it's, it's, it's very nice indeed a very nice end to this album although overall it really is a question of three tracks that stand out the opener, the title track and, and this one tapped on the end. Uh, but they were moving in the right direction. That's certainly true of this uh, Motley Hupo album called All the Young Dudes from 1972. Uh, tried to decipher the uh, lyric to Sea Diver. It uh, seems to be uh, a, lo uh, 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 a love that's turned uh, the other way. And uh, a need to sort of escape uh, the Iron Veil. Um, it's quite melancholic, really. Um, but just a point of correction, I had said earlier uh, that there was some slide guitar uh, on, uh, and let me just check it again. There was some slide guitar on. Mama's Little Jill. Uh, that's not correct. Uh, I read the uh, WikiLeak wrong. Uh, the slide guitar was on the bonus track, number two. 
There ain't no sly guitar on Mummy's little jewel. So anyway, that's my audio review of all the young dudes. So, uh, prologue by Renaissance, released in 1972. Their style is symphonic rock, prog rock. Uh, six tracks on this album. Title track opens up. Kiev is track two. Sounds of the Sea is three. Spare Some Love is track four. Bound for Infinity is track five. And then the lengthy Raja Khan is the uh, final track. First album by this band in the 70s. Um, Annie Haslam's uh, Renaissance. More hard rock sounds with increasing psychedelia, uh, heavy guitar sound, which wasn't uh, which wasn't one of their what we would uh, remember them as, uh, and uh, soaring vocals from Annie Haslam, uh, some piano, Kiev. Uh, uh, It's sang by uh, the other members of the band, which is uh, quite a surprise. Uh, Ethereal flowing lyrical sounds of the sea. Uh, It's most like their previous work. there's some love uh, with prominent folky acoustic guitars and uh, so we're going to go through it and probably refer uh, to uh, this review again but we're going to hit the tracks now and uh, I've never heard this album before so, a fast-paced rhythm with the piano driving it, and then the harmonies come in, and it sounds like it's could be on a fifth dimension al- album with the sort of uh, sort of pop soul type theme. There's a spectacular high-range thrill from Haslam. And then it goes into what could only be described as jazz prog rock with some uh, excellent uh, piano uh, and uh, pretty fierce uh, drum-bass combo. Uh, it really is uh, at a ferocious pace as well. The, the beat is almost a percussive samba latin feel to it uh, going along with this, these jazz tones midway through the track develops almost a sort of classical uh, bark like uh, that's Joanne Sebastian by the way feel to it uh, reminiscent of how Anderson uh, uh, evolves some of Tull's uh, tracks. T- 
to have a, a, a classical feel to them. And then it uh, rushes to the finish with uh, extreme uh, shrill tones by Haslam. Uh, but it's a very impressive start. So this uh, lineup for this album retained Annie Haslam, singer, and the keyboard player John Tout, uh, but then added the bassist John Camp, drummer Terry Sullivan, and guitarist Mick Parsons. Mike Parsons, sorry, uh, but unfortunately Parsons died in a car accident, and, and Rob Hendry had to step in. Uh, to do the recording sessions in July '72, and after it was completed, he'd left. Uh, um, so it's quite a, a, a radical change for them, really. Um, although the songs were originals, uh, none of the players actually wrote the songs. Um, Former members Jim McCarty from the first lineup and Michael Dunford, uh, who played with the national Nashville teens with the transitional lineup, and Betty Thatcher, the lyricist, put together the uh, track list. And uh, and so that's how we have it. Uh, just having a quick look, yeah, uh, confirming that, and uh, it's the band's third album, did I, did I catch that correctly, third album, third album, yeah, uh, third studio album, so... So, uh, let's dealt with a little bit more of the details. That second track, Kiev, uh, was very pleasant, very pleasant indeed, and had a lot of classical overtones, I felt, uh, and uh, I'm enjoying the album, enjoy, enjoying it. Uh, the vocals were by uh, John Camp uh, stepping in for Annie Haslam who usually pre predominates on vocals uh, and uh, the production was handled by one Miles Copeland Half a minute in Haslam's soaring a high tones add atmosphere to uh, an intro piano and the sound of seagulls. Yes, we certainly are at the seaside, but it's atmospheric and very pleasant. So we go about five minutes of this. It's all very pretty. Conjures up these images of being by the sea and then the piano slowly fades out with the Haslam's uh, soaring lyrics, soaring voice, slowly 
quieting, quiet, getting quieter and quieter. Spare some, some love, follows a similar sort of pattern. Skippy rhythms, nice gentle piano at chimes, and Haslam's uh, vocals that's uh, pretty to say the, the least. And then there's a, a bridge which leads to a little bit more of complex sort of jazz sort of influences. Um, but it's getting a little bit samey. There's a sort of... Uh, There's very much a sort of choral feel to uh, the enchanting voicing, um, particularly if the when she's got some of the harmonies behind her. Uh, but as I say, it's become pretty samey, and now we're moving on to uh, the next track, which is called uh, "Bound for." Uh, infinity uh, just relatively short track uh, for four minutes opening with more sort of a classic classically influenced piano once again bound for infinity beautifully played lovely uh, vocal presentation um, you can't it's faultless but it just doesn't move me that much. It's sort of... It's becoming predictable. Let's see what the last... Uh, this has got elements of Eastern Raga. So I heard. It's called Raja Khan. After a lengthy sort of prog style intro we then get the rhythm and I thought I heard a tinge of sitar and then Haslam starts wailing like she's in some re religious theatre a mosque or a uh, synagogue <laughs> or maybe a, a, a Hindu temple, but it, there's certainly elements of that. Um, it's pleasant. A few minutes in, we then get the synthesized solo by one Francis Monkman, a name that rings a bell. I think he was with Curved Air for some. I'm not. I wouldn't swear to that, but uh, he was a proficient keyboard man anyway. And anyway, he's indulging himself on this particular uh, track with a lengthy solo. As it approaches the finale, the last couple of minutes, uh, after another period of wailing, progressive Eastern flavours, um, they jump into a sort of piano-led, sort of frantic... ELP style uh, prog 
to help them on that way. Um, it's amazing how this style of music, which 50 years ago sort of enabled me, my ears to prick up instantly and I would sort of wallow in it, sort of uh, self-indulgence really. Whereas now it leaves me relatively cold and emotionless. And then we get that final push as the Eastern Raja, Raga returns as we sort of say goodnight. <laughs>